Lord Jesus, we want to ask you tonight that you would bless this message, Lord. Lord, as we enter this topic, Lord, and thinking of your triumphal entry, Lord, you were triumphant, but Lord, yet, even though you were triumphant, you heard them say, crucify. But Lord, you heard them say it, Lord. You heard them say, crucify him, crucify him, only a few days later. God help us. Some people even, Lord, get those things mixed up as to exactly what date those happened on. And Lord, as we go through this season now, Lord, that true Christians call the Resurrection Sunday, but the world calls Easter, Lord, we ask you to help us now. In the name of Jesus, amen. We got to actually take you back a couple other holidays in order to explain Palm Sunday. Because there's actually, it's a three-part set that are together. Three holidays in one, if you will. But they don't all happen at the same time. Originally, Palm Sunday was recognized from us Christians as the triumphal entry of Christ. But of course, guess who got into the mix? You got it! The Roman Catholics. They had to stick their nose in it and say, okay, I mean a holiday that we all had our heads screwed on straight about, Palm Sunday, they decided, well, since they thought they were the first Christians, you see, we're going to really mess this one up. Well, we're going to call this the end of Lent, the Lenten season. And to start off Lent, we're going to have to have a day called Ash Wednesday. Now, of course, this is how it all goes together. And we're going to be reading about that in a very few seconds here is where they took the ashes from the palm leaves, would burn, burn them one year, and those would be taken then, as you're going to find, and put with some other stuff to be made so they could use them to make the cross on people's heads, on a devout Catholic's head, forehead, next Ash Wednesday. So these year, this year's palm leaves would be next year's ashes for Ash Wednesday. And doing so, at that point, everybody would start repenting and all that ha happy garbage that the Catholics do and trying to give up sin during Lent so that they could be ready for Palm Sunday. But what does the Bible have to say? Does it agree or disagree with this practice? Well, first, let's read what we have here about it so we get a good in-depth detail on what it is. Then we're going to get from the Word of God and let the Word of God speak to us. Amen. February 6th, Ash Wednesday. Lent is when observed. It's for 40 days prior to Easter Sunday. Earliest observance, early 4th century. A.D. Lent in the Western churches was originally a period of 40 days, not included Sunday, 
of fasting and penance and readying the soul of the Christian for his greatest feast, Easter Sunday, the day of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In Western churches, Lent began on Ash Wednesday. In Eastern Orthodox churches, the Great Lent begins on Monday, 42 days before Easter. Since Easter is a movable feast, determined by the date of the first full moon after the vernal equinox, Lent begins in different years on different days in either February or March. It is commonly believed that Lent is 40 days long to commemorate the 40-day fast of Jesus in the desert after his baptism and before the beginning of his public ministry. Certainly, the number 40 has long had a symbolic importance in religion. Moses and Elias spent 40 days in the wilderness. The Jews wandered 40 years searching for the promised land. Jonah gave the city of Nineveh 40 days grace in which to repent. The first day of Lent became known as Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday is the first day of Lent. Roman Catholics come to the altar on this first day of Lent and are marked on the forehead with ashes in the form of a cross. The priest says, Remember, O man, that thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. The ashes are made from palm leaves left over from Palm Sunday of the year before, are blessed before the Ash Wednesday Mass with holy water and the sign of the cross. Wearing sackcloth and sprinkling the head with ashes was an ancient sign of repentance. Custom of marking the head with ashes on Ash Wednesday is said to have originated during the papacy of Gregory the Great, 560 to 604. At first, only public penitents received the ashes. They were made to appear barefooted at the church and perform penances for their sins. Friends and relatives began to accompany them, perhaps in sympathy. And in the knowledge that no man is free from sin, and gradually the ashes were given to the whole congregation. In the United States, besides the Roman Catholics, some Episcopal churches also observe Ash Wednesday with the distribution of ashes. In addition, prayers of repentance and exhortation denouncing sin taken from chapter 28 of the book of Deuteronomy are delivered from the pulpit. Other Protestant denominations also mark the beginning of Lent with the observance of Ash Wednesday. Orthodox churches do not. Since the Great Lent begins on a Monday, for all Christian churches, however, Lent is a period of preparation. The culmination of Holy Week, beginning with Palm Sunday and building up to the joyous celebration of Easter. Now we go to Palm Sunday. When observed the Sunday before Easter, because today is Palm Sunday, earliest observance, 4th century Jerusalem, palm leaves and procession. The services were not uniform, but there was usually some form of the blessing, a distribution of palms and a procession, and a leftover palm leaves were later burned, and the ashes used on Ash Wednesday of the following year to mark the foreheads of the parishioners as a reminder of their death. Many superstitions arose regarding the palm leaves, including their use as a protection against evil and as charms to ward off storms and lightning. Yeah. Get a life here. Um, there's something wrong here. I think I'll let him go on because he's the preacher. I'm just the reader here. Houston, we got a problem. Amen. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. Back to my seat now. 
Uh, God help us. We need help there, Houston. They thought that it brought good luck? Superstitions? God help us. That's as bad as uh, Moses making a serpent according to God's command, putting it on a pole to save people's lives, and then people ending up in Hezekiah's day burning incense to it, and he had to go and burn it up and beat it down into dust. God help us. You just can't have nothing good. God can't give you anything good without somebody taking and turning it into wickedness. God help us today. But, now that we know the downside, what is really, what it was it like on the real first Palm Sunday? Well, first of all, we don't find nothing in the Bible, not one word, not one, about marking the head with ashes. You could pull scriptures out of context all you want. Pope. It don't work. That's right. The Bible says, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that God said to Adam, from dust thou art until dust thou shalt return. He was talking about a curse that man was going to get because he sinned in the Garden of Eden. Yes. Not because he put some ashes on his forehead. Hello, Pope. Ain't you got your head screwed on straight? Now, as to Lent, using 40 days, using the 40-day period called Lent to commemorate using the number 40, there's a lot of people to take and use, pull numbers out of the Bible. It's called numerology. Big fancy term that takes and tries to understand the reason for certain numbers. The number 40 in the Bible has always been a time of reflection, trial, testing, and repentance. Yes, that is truth. But 40 is not some magic number that says that you, after 40 days you're going to be holy. Oh, get a life. Get a life, Roman Catholics. Yes. And not to mention, you know what's sad? Even the Baptist churches are doing this mess. Observing Lent. Now, wait a minute. There's nothing wrong with taking 40 days and getting your wicked heart right with God, but my Bible doesn't say anything about 40 days. Um, last I checked, 1 John... Chapter 1 and verse 9 says not one word about 40 days. Uh, last I checked, it says, it says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Uh, hello, y'all. Where was the 40 days? Uh... It's absent. Well, I guess it's because they got it in their uh, uh, new American Catholic cult version. Yeah. 
or nasty witch's toilet, but it sure enough ain't in the KJV. The KJV says, when you ask for forgiveness, it's done. It's a done deal. You get cleansed immediately, right then. No waiting around for your number to show up. Get a life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nowhere did it say that. It says there that when you confess your sins, he's faithful and just. Now, wait a minute. It did not say you need 40 days to do the job. It's not a bad idea to take those 40 days. Hello, you new Christians, new Christians that just got saved and you're stuck with a cigarette still in your hand and you don't realize that it's sinful. When you realize it's sinful, this is a perfect time to give it up. Because you could use that 40 days as a good marker to say, okay, because it says any good doctor will tell you this, it takes at least 30 to 40 days to break a bad habit. So you could take these 40 days and put a new habit in its place. Well, come preacher, what kind of good habit can you... I got a couple good ones for you. Alright? Every time you're tempted to pick up that stupid cigarette, why don't you pick up a Bible instead? Yeah, yeah. Smoke your eyeballs out on God's Word, amen? Yeah. And if that ain't good enough, how about smoking your knees right into the carpet with prayer every time you're tempted to pick up a cigarette? That's right. Hey, well, Percher, that, that, that's too simple a method. It would never work. Excuse me, but let me tell you a little secret, buddy. That's exactly how I got over smoking, and you know what? Don't tell me that mess about, well, the, uh, Well, I've been smoking for 10 years. Excuse me, how long do you think I was smoking before I did it? Amen. Yeah. Every time I was tempted, picked up that old Bible, started reading from Genesis 1-1, and I worked my way to Revelation 21 and 22. And let me tell you what, by the time I got to Revelation chapter 22, uh, that temptation was gone. The devil ain't going to hang around. Wait a minute. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. He will flee. That's how you get rid of him. You got to resist him. Don't sit there and kiss his feet. Amen. Thank you, Ruthie. If God wanted you to smoke and he had stuck one out the top of your head anyway. And anyway, more to the point, if God wanted you smoking, why is it that when you take that first puff, you start coughing and hacking? Hello? Why is it that when you took that first drink, it tastes so, so nasty and awful to you? Oh, come on, no preacher. That cigarette tastes good and that, that booze tastes great. Yeah, after you drank about 80,000 cases and smoked about 2 billion cartons, of course it smells good and tastes good to you. Go back to that first one, though. <laughs> hey, if you want to commit suicide real slow, why don't you just go grab the rat poison? Amen. That's what you're doing, committing slow suicide. Just save the whole medical community a lot of trouble, why don't you? Amen. Now, I'm not condoning suicide. I'm just saying if you're dumb enough to commit suicide with booze and cigarettes, then why don't you just go and get it over with? <laughs> if we're not going to stop you from doing it, at least save all of the taxpayers some money by your stupidity, okay? Now, 
So 40 days they got this time of fasting and prayer. The Catholics do. And like I said, there are some Baptist preachers that even took this up and told their people this mess. They may not use the palm leaves and the ashes, but they sure enough take in a lot of this other mess. Well, there's nothing wrong with repenting. There's nothing wrong with getting right with God. There's nothing wrong with them 40 days during those 40 days, which is technically the equivalent of at least five good sermons. Okay? Now, how do you get that, preacher? Uh, five times seven is 35. Okay. Now that you got my picture... That's five good possible sermons that you could have in there about repenting and getting right with God. Yes. Hello, preachers. You want to talk about getting right with God, you could just get up there preaching and give a good old-fashioned altar call and then let people get on their face and pray and ask God to get right. But you don't need to put ashes on their forehead and you don't need to say, well, this is the only time of the year that you can repent. Repentance is 24-7, 365. All right? Yes. Yes, yes. Every day of the year you ought to be on your face repenting before God instead of just the 40 days of Lent. And then you get up to Palm Sunday. Now, before we get into Palm Sunday, I want to mention one other scripture. Danny, since, <laughs> yes. since you were so kind to jump right in on our service, we're going to let you jump right in and give us our first scripture tonight. All right? Alright. We want you to go over to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews 6. 1 to 6. Hebrews 6, 1 through 6. Okay. Hebrews 6, 1 through 6. And this is going to take care of you Catholics that say you got to keep repenting and repenting and repenting and keep putting Jesus back on that cross. This is going to take care of that. And also you save lost, save lost folks. This is going to take care of you, alright? Come on, Danny. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go unto, on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, the faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, of eternal judgment. And this, we, this will we do if God permits. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have test heavenly gifts and were partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the word hope to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again, repentance, being they crucified to themselves the Son of God, fresh, put him to an open shame. Shamey, shamey, shamey. Yes. Hello, Catholics. Every time you keep Jesus on that cross, it's exactly what you're doing. You're re-crucifying him every time that you had to repent for this sin and that sin. Every time you go in that confessional, you're just putting Jesus back on the cross and putting him to an open shame. Hello, charismatics who say you, you get saved and then all of a sudden you can lose it just because you have this little wicked thought. Or because you did this little sin, or that little sin, all of a sudden the person is lost and going to hell again. What you do is you put Jesus right back on the cross, and the Bible says you're literally putting Jesus to an open shame. Yes. And yes. the Bible says it's impossible for that. 
Jesus didn't die four times, five times, a hundred thousand times. Let me tell you something. You know how many times Jesus died? Once for all. Once for all. One time. Come on, Danny. You're already in Hebrews. Jump over to chapter 9, verse 12 for me. Right. He, Hebrews 9, 12 to 14. Let's, let's take care of that saved lost mess right here. Hebrews. Okay, 12 to 14. Now, I might have me a spell in the middle of this, but just go on. Okay, all right. 9, 12 to 14. Either by the blood of goats. Woo-hoo-hoo, yeah. Some blood in once under the holy place. How many times? Once. Five times, right? One time, one time. Eight times, right? No, one time. Okay. Having obtained eternal redemption for us. Temporary redemption, right? Woo, glory. Blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctify by to the purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Hello. 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 Catholics. And hello, Seventh-day Adventists, for that matter. Yeah, man, you cults. Bible says Jesus died once for all. And yeah. not only did he die once for all, the Bible says, now think about it, his blood was a better sacrifice than those bulls and goats and calves. He only had to do it once for all. He didn't have to be eternally hung on a cross for your sins. Bible says he did it once. He did it once for all. He only had to be on that cross for three hours. He was pulled off the cross. He was put in a tomb. But hey, wait till uh, next Sunday. He came out of that grave too. Amen. So and then and we're gonna take care of some of that mess uh, come su next Sunday too about that mess about well he uh, uh, what day he was crucified on. Some say Friday. Some say, oh, no, 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 no. Well, we're going to take care of that by looking at the Scripture of what it really says because it pinpoints what day it really was. All right? But anyway, back to the point here. Jesus died only once. He was on that cross for three hours. He didn't die ten times, twelve times. He died once. And thank God it was only once. Because... If he had died 14 times, then he wasn't God. If he, if he didn't give us eternal redemption, he couldn't have been God. That's right. He would have went to hell like anybody else. But he got eternal redemption for us. Thank you, Jesus. So you Catholics would have to take 40 days to do all your repenting. That's because you ain't got the real deal. You got a phony Jesus who ain't the real Christ of the Bible. And my Bible says in Galatians chapter 1 verses 8 and 9 that if they got a false Christ, let them be accursed. Yes, yes. In the simplest wording, let them go to hell. Let them go to hell. If that's what they want, let them go on. Nothing you can do about it. Now... See, we need to know about this real Palm Sunday. What does it really mean? Well, we're going to get 
Ruthie, you want to read for me real quick here? We need you to read me Matthew 21, Danny, so you'll know where we're headed. Matthew 21, 1 to 13. Matthew 21, verses 1 through 13. Now we're going to understand what the real Palm Sunday had to do with it. And we're going to see if there was any ashes found in the real Palm Sunday deal and what it really was all about, not this other garbage that you hear with these dodo heads who don't know their head from a hole in the ground. So we're going to get Ruthie to read us Matthew 21, 1 to 13. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethphage, unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. If any man say aught unto you, you shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, saying, Tell you the daughter of Sion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee meek, and sitteth upon an ass, and a colt, the foal of an ass. And the disciples went, and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees, and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus went down into the temple of God and cast out all the them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. He said to them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. Ooh, I got some good preaching coming off of this. Now, you're wondering why I say that, Danny. Don't you dare say a word, Ruthie. Because we got some deep stuff to preach on. First off, you find Jesus being ready to come into Jerusalem and to fulfill a prophecy. God had him to send for this colt and this ass. Donkey. The foal of an ass. And doing so, they put the clothes on, their clothes, they took their coats, their robes off. His disciples did. Laid them over the donkey like a saddle blanket, if you will. And he got on this donkey and started to ride. Now all the people started to put their clothes, their garments, their, their robes. Now, anybody that knows anything about the Bible knows that your robe was your mantle or it was your symbol of authority. Any good Bible student knows this. And it, what they were literally doing is saying, Jesus, we're giving you all authority. So they were laying their garments in the way so that Jesus would have a nice, soft path. Some who had already thrown their robes in the way reached and grabbed palm leaves or, or palm branches. And they strawed those in the way. 
Now, they do believe, and this much they have proven, that the, 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 the branches that were used were palm branches. So we're not going to dispute that. But now, when Jesus got to Jerusalem, you don't find them grabbing up all them palm branches, snatching them up, throwing them in a the fire, putting them into ashes, saying, well, we're done with these for the year, so we've got to do something with them. Hey, let's go ahead and burn them up, and then we'll put them on someone's forehead next year. You don't find that. Something else they don't tell you in this text, but there is another text that says as he's coming into town, and the people are crying, Hosanna! Hosanna to the Son of David! The religious crowd, you know they had to get their two cents in. Hey, you need to shut these folks up. You better quit telling them to shout, Jesus. They keep shouting like this, we're going to get all of you. And Jesus said, <laughs> I can't shut these folks up, even if I did. And if these folks would shut their mouth, the rocks would do it for them. So you, either way, you're going to have a shouting party, so you might as well just get used to it, you hypocrites. Yes. And then Danny. Now, here is what is so funny. Guess where we went this morning, Danny. We went to a church that had a service. When we got done, they had not one word about Palm Sunday, not one word about the triumphal entry, but guess what they had a lot of words on? Uh, Reader's Digest. No, their stupid calendar T. Oh, get a life. Which is a, when I tell you this, is a calendar T, it's a contest a thing they do every year to raise money for their church um inside the church and they use tables to do it are we finding anything problem with this houston yes here it is the triumphal entry of christ day to signify his triumphal entry into Jerusalem as he is just now winding up his ministry. He is now ready to confront the Pharisees and the Sadducees on their turf. He is coming into their town. What did old um, Jesus do when he came into town? He was buddies with him, huh, Danny? No, he rebuked them. He was all buddied up with him, and he says, Yeah, well, hey... Uh, they're just trying to raise a few funds for the church, for the temple, right? Oh, he said, out, out, out. That's more like what he did. He, he, he not only went in there and uh, grabbed the table, snatched them up, flipped them upside down, but uh, when he came into town, he wasn't too happy. He snatched up the tables, flipped them over, and then he made himself a cord like a cat of nine tails, and he started whipping. <laughs> Give him a taste of what he was going to go through the end of the week. Oh, glory. Whoop, boom, boom, boom. Get out of here. My house shall be called a house. Now, but you notice something. If you ever notice when Jesus said that, you ever notice he didn't say, this is God's house, it shall be called a house of prayer. He said, this is, he said, hey, look, 
This is my house, and it shall be called a house of prayer. You ever notice that? You notice that, Danny? He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. You notice he called it his house? I bet you the old nasty witch's toilet never changed that one. Because they forgot something. When Jesus drove out them money changers, <laughs> it was his house. He was God. And he had a right to whip some booty and get them out the way. Amen. He was God and he had every right to tell them to take a walk. Get out of here. But they had this calendar tea today. The old money changers over at this church. Trying to raise money. But we're going to have Danny read a scripture for me. Uh, you got your Bible there at Romans, Danny? Romans 16, verses 17, 18. We're just going to read this scripture. That tells us how much buddies we got to be with the world who's serving their belly and their, and their little uh, pride trip and feeding some false doctrine about, well, it's okay, we can have a fundraiser inside the church. Now, we're going to see how much buddies we're supposed to be with them, right, Danny? Right. It says, in 17 and 18, you want me to read, right? Right, 17, 18. Now, I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offense contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them, for they, for, yeah, for they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Look, boys, this ain't honoring Christ. Why are you doing it? Oh, well, we got to raise money for the church. Hello, boys. Uh, it's called Walmart. It's called a baked sale. Haven't you heard of one? You could take your little... Go get all your people at the church, have them bring together a bunch of baked goods... Get a big table snot load, get you a truck, go out there to Walmart, schedule a day that you could have a table out there and set your stuff out there, your baked goods, and you could sell until you fall over and you could raise yourself a whole slew house full of money for your church. They could have went down to Lakeshore Park or something, had their calendar tea, invited the public. But, no, they had to have it in their little church, only have about 20 people come to the whole stinking thing. And what do they want to do? Let's worship the calendar more than we're going to worship Jesus. Ugh. Oh, and the first prize we'll give out is, guess what? Money. Who brought in the most finances? Well, why don't you have a bake sale and I'll show you how to have, have more money than you. As we get ready now, I want to close in the word of prayer. But have us remind ourselves, what do we do on this holiday? Lord Jesus, we ask you right now, Lord, to forgive us, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that it don't take 40 days. We thank you, Lord, that you said in your word, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins.
Lord, it doesn't take 40 days, but it's instantaneous. You cover us in the blood and it's over and done with. But Lord, I'm thankful that we could use the 40 days if we need to repent and get over a bad habit. But Lord, we don't need Lent to get us over a bad habit. We could take any 40 days from the calendar and use it to get over a bad habit. As the Bible tells us, Lord, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation, Lord. That's what your word told us. It's not only good for salvation, Lord, but behold, now is the accepted time. Don't wait around, Lord. You did not teach procrastination. You taught us, Lord, to get it over and get it done. Do it immediately. Lord, we ask you right now that you would bless this invitation and help us that we don't need, thank God we don't need some stupid palm leaf for some sort of omen. But Lord, we got you, Jesus, and we don't need an omen. We want to ask you right now, Lord, that you would touch this invitation. Help us, Lord, that during this time we would get things right with you if we're not right with you. Lord, help us right tonight. In the name of Jesus, we ask all these things. Amen.